This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Melvin Law is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Gators, and of course, protected 24-7, 365 by uh, none other than our good buddies, Crime Prevention. Get yourself a doorbell camera, get yourself some uh, video surveillance, get something going on to help you know what's happening all the time. Crime Prevention. Well, well, well. We're going to be opening up the call-in line in a little bit here. If in case you want to participate, you are certainly more than welcome to do so. And uh, we do this on a Friday. Uh, I kind of urge you to use it because it is something we pay, we do pay for. It's something that costs us, by golly. Um, the title of today's show, I, I'm kind of proud of these titles sometimes because I look at the individual parts and then I conclude what they all have in common and try to uh, deduce a title. And today's title is Wither Common Sense. And by that, I mean, where is it gone and where is it going and what happened to it? And come on. I mean, some of the things which I'm going to bring up today, which really defy common sense. I I don't quite understand how common sense seems to have disappeared from the... uh, priority list of thinking in our human affairs. Of course, I'm going to start out locally. There's no end of common sense issues locally. And, of course, uh, there's no better example uh, of a curiosity about what happened to common sense than to examine the Gainesville City Commission, which we never seem to run out of things to talk about with them. But now they have done a couple of things they should never have done in the first place. And that's a reversed course, A, on their salaries, which made no sense whatsoever. The communist commissioner, Psycho Seiko, um, insists that uh, she be compensated for what basically is a full-time job. Common sense tells you, does it not that This is not a full-time job. You have a job. And then you serve the community. And the community compensates you reasonably. But the problem is you can vote your own compensation. And once the community votes you in, they don't have a say in it. Isn't that crazy? 
Now, would that take place in the private sector? I question thee. If you hire an employee of the private sector, and then the employee gives you the international fighter pilot salute and says, you know, I'm going to double my salary. And you don't have anything to say about it, and you can't fire me. What? Got to take a sip of coffee on that. That defies common sense. But you've got common sense off the table, I suppose. But because the people who pay the salary, let's see if we can follow this analogy. The citizens did holler enough this time and say, what are you doing? You're not reducing our utility rates. You're not reducing the theft from the utility. You're not reducing the taxes. You can't produce the receipts for the money you spend of ours. What are you doing? And so common sense in that case seems to have prevailed. And they, my understanding, reversed their course. Now, the other course is they can't figure out when to use the term inclusion and when to use the term exclusion. If it's race, which it's always race with them, and common sense will tell you it can't always be race. Let's just talk about race a moment. We now have, through miscegenation, interracial marriages. I mean, come on. Black doesn't even describe adequately the complex nature and hue of people's skin. People marry whom they want. And yet, we act as if they don't and can't and won't. And it works both ways. We have so-called black males with so-called white females. And we have so-called black females with so-called white males. And then throw in the Spanish and all the various hues. And what do you have? It defies common sense. And race seems to have been used in a positive way in this last reversal of course, when the commissioners, except for the communist commissioner, Psycho Seiko, and of course, the guy who's not yet dry behind the ears, Eastman, who thinks he knows everything, better than adults, which he's not quite yet, can't run for president, uh, and another character. And I believe the strength of this was carried by the old mama in the room, Cynthia Chesna. 
who made that point that is absolutely true. Black folk, so-called black folk, that term was originally Negro because originally there's just three races. Own their homes too. They may not be the Shangri-La like you think it is, but it's their home. And they live there. And if you go inside, it's clean and orderly. Well, what are you going to do to their neighborhood if you allow some contractor to come in and cram in there an instant high-rise? Protect neighborhoods. Neighborhoods, home ownership, single family, yards. Let me just tell you something that kind of rings for me. I have a friend now who is probably, well, when he was a little kid, he used to tug on my pants uh, while I was cooking steaks with his father. So he was three or four, a grown man now, of course. He posted the other day on one of the social media outlets, one of his fondest memories. It was the picture of him and two of his neighborhood buddies on bicycles, little bicycles. And one of his fondest memories, now that he's grown away into adulthood, is of that neighborhood. That place where he played, where he knew his buddies, they rode their bikes together. Common sense would tell you that's wholesome. Common sense would tell you, would it not? That's the right thing to do. To create places where kids can grow up and be kids. And have sand piles. Come on. It's common sense, isn't it? So I'm going to give a Sunday school star to the four city commissioners who apparently had some common sense and realized we can't tear down neighborhoods. And they changed the vote. Barely. So we have a couple instances here, ironically, where I'm giving Sunday school stars to some of the city commission. One, for reversing the salary and other for reversing the intrusion into single family neighborhoods. Local issue. But it's really an American issue. It's really a culture issue. And in these neighborhoods, because I've lived in them, you ought to have quiet streets. You ought to not have thoroughfares. You ought to encourage 
Cars going slowly, if at all, except to their home. Those little kids could be out there. The schools should be around these places. And we should have neighborhood schools. Wouldn't that be common sense? Wouldn't that be something? We threw all the buses in the ditch. And we married schools to neighborhoods. Now, that wouldn't be diversity, equity, inclusion. That'd be racial. So we take little kids and bus them all the way across town just to make sure that the school is equal available to everyone, even though they don't live in the neighborhood. So the issue here is, wouldn't common sense tell you we ought to be protecting neighborhoods? School boards. There's a bill in Tallahassee to make school board races Nonpartisan. My first reaction to that is good luck. Really good luck. I think the city of Gainesville races are supposed to be nonpartisan. Well, that's a crock. You know right away what the party membership is, and the party membership is behind getting the person elected even though we have a mix of districts in at large. And in the school board, we've gone back and forth with superintendents. When I first started out, the superintendent was elected. Tiny Talbot. Well, after a while, that fell out of favor, too politicized. You know, that's a mixed bag, isn't it? You elect the guy to run the schools. He knows everybody. You would think he would grow up around here. He had gone to schools here. You would think, at least you'd shoot for that. No, we went to appointed and school board appointed. And I'm not to say that there weren't some fine superintendents. And one in particular comes to mind who's a very good friend of mine. We did a very good job. But the first time around, he wasn't picked when he was available because of a grudge one of the school board members had for him going back when he was the principal and had to discipline that school board member when that school board member was a teacher. I don't know if you can keep partisanship out of that. 
obviously it's one of the issues now because when Dion McGraw was booted off for being in the wrong district, the governor appointed a Republican, but immediately Republican could get elected. Would it have mattered if there were no party memberships? Well, the, the press right away would have ratted out the Republican. The press would have revealed it. The press reveals it always. If it's truly a community person, everybody knows where the person's coming from. So there's a bill in Tallahassee that's going back and forth about whether or not school board members should be knowingly identified with a party. I hadn't agreed that there's no such thing as a nonpartisan race, except if the community is small. The city of Alachua is a good example. We have a Democrat mayor who really acts like a Republican. Goes to all the Republican events as if he were a Republican. Even goes to the black tie blue jean event. He's a Democrat. You would think they would not let him in. But he goes. It's the city of Alachua. It's a smaller community. He gets away with it. He doesn't change his party, which everybody says he should do, so it basically is. But, you know, in the city of Alachua, it probably doesn't matter. It's can you, because you can walk the neighborhoods in the city of Alachua. You can knock on the doors. You can go to the club meetings. You can go to the chamber. You can turn up shelf for everything personally. Take if you don't have anything else to do and you're retired. So there may be such a thing as a nonpartisan race in the smaller communities. In the school board, probably a mixed bag. It's the ideology that matters in these school board issues right now. So keep your eye on that. I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know that it will make much difference. I want to go now to an issue that I covered yesterday. And that's the issue of the sheriff's office. And I've been given access to yet another document, which I have to find, uh, 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 say I found (laughs) the most ironic, really ironic. Um, Just when you think you've seen it all, something like this comes up. There's a guy named Kevin Davis. I don't know the gentleman. He is a, I guess he was or is a sergeant, and he's filed a lawsuit, of course, against the sheriff. 
Now, I do remember this character because you may also remember this when Sadie Darnell was sheriff, and Sadie Darnell was always criticized for having deputies who were called Sadie's ladies. Do you recall that? Sadie's ladies. Pink SWAT teams and things like that. You know, every, as I said, all the sheriffs who've ever, I've ever known get grief from somebody for some reason. <laughs> this one kind of is different from what I've seen before. This guy, Kevin Davis, was bringing the tank back to East Gainesville from the football game. Oh, I don't know. It's been a few years ago when Sadie was the sheriff. And the tank, we call it the tank. It's kind of an armored personnel carrier. God knows. You know, they they drag it over there to the football games and park it there uh, right outside the stadium uh, in case all hell breaks loose. Uh, you got this heavily armed SWAT team as if they're going to be able to pull the trigger with uh, 90,000 people there. Uh, but they're there. They're there. They're going to make a show. I'm trying to imagine one of those dudes opening up with a semi-automatic AR <laughs> with 90,000 kids and mothers and grandmas and everything wandering around on the street. But they bring it, at least Sadie did, brought the dadgum armored personnel carrier, we call it the tank, over there to the football game. And this is to say, hey, mess with us, and we've got it all dealt with here. The real prep for the football game takes place by the canine unit, the bomb squad, that absolutely goes over every crevice of that stadium before every game. But you don't see that. It doesn't catch a bunch of a bunch of press. So here we got these dudes. <laughs> oh, golly. I remember the set days because I got involved. They are riding back from the football game. And they're riding down University Avenue. And a couple, a carload of kids Give them the international fighter pilot salute. You know, the finger. What do the manly men do? I guess they didn't have enough to do over there at the football game. Uh, They wheel the tank around. (laughs) Chase down the kids and stop them. Haul them out. And then I start reading the riot act to them and threaten them with this and threaten them with that. I'll never forget that, I don't know it was Kevin Davis. Now, I won't say that, but he's in the tank. I haven't even been the tank driver, so he's there with him. Uh, one of them looks at one of the kids, as a female, as I remember, that they've yanked out of their vehicles over on it. Not yanked out, literally, but stopped and given them a bunch of grief and all this. For what reason? Really, for what reason? And one of the students has his cell phone pointed at the heavily armed, heavily, I'm talking about heavily armed, combat gear, bandoliers, the whole nine yards, points the cell phone at the character. I'll never forget what that deputy said to that kid. That cell phone looks like 
a gun to me. Did you hear what I just said? That cell phone looks like a gun to me. Let me tell you something about your war daddy here. I wouldn't be a part of that unit. If I were the commander of that unit, I would take that unit off the road. I would take that guy out of service. I don't need that guy. What I learned in military school was that if you want to survive and you want to be efficient, you go with the most elite group of combat guys you can go with. And they are heavily disciplined. This character literally was a loose cannon. Because if I'm holding a cell phone, I don't know what the hell he's going to do next. And he's kind of grinning about it. Well, I got on the phone to Sadie Darnell. I said, Sheriff, you have got a problem. And if you don't take that guy out of service, I'm going to expose him. Well, she gave him a one-day suspension. Okay. Kevin Davis was involved in this. And let me get back from the break because I'm going to not want to interrupt the story. I'm going to tell you what he's done now. And I don't have a beef personally with the gentleman. I don't know him, but I have a beef with him professionally. Because if that had been my son or my daughter that he said that to, there would be a problem, a big problem. Don't you think common sense would tell you that that gentleman didn't have common sense? Think about it. Be right back in the Ward Scott Files after Ward's weather. I'll take this story up again. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. Hey dads and kids, join head coach Billy Napier at the Gainesville All-Pro Dad Experience. Saturday, April 22nd at 9 a.m. at the University of Florida Sanders Practice Facility and Fields. Learn fatherhood tips and participate in activities with your kids while rotating through stations on the field. It's only $25 per family, so register today at allprodad.com slash events. The Gainesville All-Pro Dad Experience is brought to you by the Florida Department of Education, Dairy Council of Florida, and Tyson. This is Ward Scott. 
And I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On-the-Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pat him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Awards weather here before I get back to my story about the Cavalier tank commands calling out the young kids who gave them the international fighter pilot salute. Well, we're in a drought here. Hopefully we'll get out of it. I'm getting closer and closer to the naked rain dance. Um, And I can just tell you that the wind is blowing and it's dry and we're getting into forest fire risks and all that. We're really hoping and praying we get some rain here. Uh, We've got rain elsewhere in the country and all that and some over on the coast, but not here. But I think looking for a funny story in the weather I've got to go to British Columbia. Um, In British Columbia, which I've been to, um, there's a bear. And there are a lot of bears in British Columbia who made a late night visit to this lady's home. Why this lady had 69 hands of soda or more, I think even a few more than that, in her car, I'll never know. But the dog, her dog woke her up at about 3 a.m. in the morning. And she looked outside to see that the bear had busted one of her car windows. Now, get this. The bear evidently through the car windows, as we say in Georgia, car windows, could, and the soda, which is in cans, the bear can smell the sugar in the soda in the wintertime with the windows, windows up and the can seal. So what does a bear do? Shatters one of the car windows. She had evidently purchased all this soda for her business, and he started drinking it. She had 72 cans of soda 
stored overnight in her car. The bear drank 69 of those 72 cans of soda. And he had a favorite among the different sodas. And it appears that he didn't like diet cola at all. Well, why would he? There's no sugar. Be not stupid. Common sense told him that. Why drink a diet cola? Why not drink, especially, the orange crush? He loved the orange crush, particularly. He ripped up the car leather. He uh, broke the window rollers. Uh, he had sugar residue all over the interior. And it was mostly the orange crush. Um, gee, what do you do? Well, there's a couple of lessons, I guess. If you're going to live around where the bars are, I don't know about you leaving your soda in your car. And particularly, I don't leave, my golly, don't leave your orange crush. Uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And it's not actually my story. It's the uh, AP story covered uh, by this fantastic nose or whatever sense of uh, uh, detection that the animal world has. Well, Kevin Davis, whom I don't know the gentleman. He could be just a fine fellow, uh, but not the kind of guy uh, I would be in a combat squad with. Um, So now let's go to the current sheriff, who is now no longer Sadie's ladies. Sadie did discipline him, I think, one day, I believe, without pay or the tank incident. And the whole business of saying to the kids that camera looks like a gun. Let, let me tell you something. I've been marching penalty tours at the military school for a month for that. Now let me tell you how a penalty tour worked. You got eight demerits a week. They gave you eight chances to screw up. And that meant you didn't make your bed tight enough. You may have your books not arranged properly. There may be dust on your shelf. They really wouldn't look as hard on the routine inspections if they liked you. But if they thought you were kind of a jerk, which this bomb tank group obviously was, then you're going to get looked at a little harder. So you wanted to be real careful about getting on their bad side. There was an officer in charge. There was an officer of the day. There were several guys who could come into your unit anytime and take a look around, which most of the time they wouldn't do if you stayed on their good side. Didn't give them a bunch of excuses. Didn't go off on your own and do aberrant behavior. 
But if you got on a bad side, you know, all of a sudden you could find yourself over the eight demerits. And for every demerit you got over the eight, say you got nine, so you have one, you had to do a penalty tour. A penalty tour took place in the bull ring, which was an asphalt rectangle. It wasn't a ring because you had to square those corners. Outside the commandant's office, in full view of the commandant, a penalty tour you reported they started promptly um, 1,500 hours. And they went for two more hours. So there were two hours of penalty tours. The penalty tour was a half hour. So if you had one penalty tour, you could march it off in a half hour. But you had to report in full combat gear, boots shined, pack perfect, Rifle ready for inspection. And the first thing they do, it would always be run by the drill sergeant. They were tough dudes. You'd have to come down and present arms. They could find, believe it or not, dust in that chamber if they wanted to and assign you another penalty tour before you'd even marched off the one you came there to march off. They could look at your boots. They couldn't see themselves in them. From the shine, you might have another penalty tour before you marched off the one you came there for. There were some guys who came there and marched for the whole two hours and left with more penalty tours than they came there with. Uh Uh-uh. Don't wind up on the bull ring. I felt I wound up there one time. I was um, in engineering classes. We all were. We had a full... Admiral, four-star Admiral, who was our mechanical drawing instructor. We also had the battle group commander in that class who went on to West Point, Colonel Cunningham, tall kid, 6'3", 6'4". I was so tired that day. Because they never give you a chance to rest in a military school. You just always are being pushed. And you better have your day disciplined. Because if you're late in the morning by a minute, by mid-afternoon, that's become 20, 30 minutes. And you don't have that time. Time is compressed. Well, I thought maybe I was so sleepy and the Admiral was so quiet up at the head of the room that if I raised my mechanical engineering box and drafting table a little bit, I could maybe just 
use that as a shield so he couldn't see me. And I could close my eyes for just a second. Well, I did that. And I woke up because the ranking cadet officer in a class always handled the discipline. I woke up to the battle group commander, Colonel Cunningham, absolutely immaculate in his presentation with his dress, his demeanor, his intelligence, or he wouldn't be the battle group commander. I'll never forget what he said to me. Cadet Scott, you have fallen asleep in the Admiral's class. Wow. Wow. I couldn't say I didn't mean to. I could only say the only thing I knew to say was no excuse, sir. And I went to the battle group, bull ring, or penalty tours. The one time I was ever there. And it's good for me. I'm mindful of these county commissioners saying to the sheriffs, I'll give the inmates free calls. That'll reduce recidivism. Are you crazy? Obviously, they've never been on the back. They've never been on the bull ring. Every county commissioner should have to march on the bull ring. So now this guy, Kevin Davis, is guess what? Filing a lawsuit against, he's white. I have the case in my hand. I had a paperwork case in my hand. He's white. Against a black sheriff saying that he, Kevin Davis, has been passed over because, guess what? He's discriminated against as a white man by the black sheriff. A discrimination alleged by this Kevin Davis in violation of Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You cannot be serious. It defies common sense. Here is the actual data. Okay, this white guy, Kevin Davis, who was disciplined by Sheriff Darnell, who was always ridiculed for feminizing the deputies and not being, as a woman, capable 
of commanding and disciplining combat guys. And I don't know if she would have disciplined the guy if I had not called her and said, get this guy in line. Right now, at the Lockdown Sheriff's Office, I just got these numbers today. So they are recent. Are you ready? They are recent. All in lines open if you want to jump in here somewhere. It's, uh, let me just check my lines here. See what we got going on. Um, All in lines open if you want to hear. So I'm looking now at the actual chat line. I haven't been looking at. The undersheriff at the sheriff's office is black. Colonel. The command staff, white, chief of staff, one. Two majors, white. One major, black. Part of another part of the command staff, eight white, two black. Another command staff, 26 white, three black. Now, this is the black sheriff being accused by a white guy who's already been trouble for the sheriff's office of being, of discriminating against him for what? Promotion and Whatever. As I say, I wouldn't even have the guy on the combat units. Here's a problem. Here's a problem. If you don't discipline, you're you're the sheriff. Okay. If you don't discipline these people, you're going to find yourself in trouble with the public. Look at Memphis. Look at these places where these cops have gone out and beat somebody up or Whatever, who catches hell for that? The chief. Right? So you need to nip this stuff in the bud now. Because this guy already said it looks like a. You already got guys working for you, already said on the old sheriff. The camera looks like a gun. Uh uh, baby. Uh uh, baby. Command staff, third but third, 26 white lieutenants. So we're going down what? The majors, the captains, and the lieutenants. So in the command staff at the major level, two white and one black. At the command staff at the captain level, eight white, two black. At the command staff at the lieutenant level, 26 white, three black. Supervisors, white. 33, black, 4. From January 2021 until now, this current sheriff has promoted 122 whites and 32 blacks. It's not in the paper. It's not in the media. These numbers are not there. What would common sense tell you? 
Can you answer that for me? What would common sense tell you? Nip it in the bud now because it's going to come back and bite you later. Build an elite core. Set the example. Oh, yeah, there's going to be people griping and complaining and moaning and groaning. But I didn't moan and groan. Yeah, that's Scott. You have fallen asleep in the Admiral's class. Wow. Wow. A World War II Admiral. And I didn't mean to do it. I just didn't discipline myself. Myself. And I don't ever remember being on that bull ring again. But I remember guys who never got off it. I got a common sense story for you here. I'll close out with what's happened to the political division and our polarization in our nation. I've suspected this all along. Uh, William Gaston has provided me with some data that fleshes out my suspicion. And the suspicion is about the great divide, as I've been talking about with Ted Yoho, between urban and rural America. The number of competitive congressional districts in our country has declined sharply. And one of the main drivers of this is the polarization or the widening gap between rural and urban America. Now, it's interesting. The sheriffs patrol both and are subjects to vote, voters from both. But most of the voters are in the urban areas, but the sheriffs patrol the rural areas primarily. Although the sheriffs have arrest powers throughout the county. There is a widening gap between rural and urban America. Thirty-five percent today of urban residents also, this gap, have at least a bachelor's degree. Twenty-one percent for rural America. And rural America, because of the lack of access to Internet, has been hurt even more. 
94% of the nation's job growth since 2000 has occurred in urban counties. Whereas half of the rural areas of these counties have, suf- have suffered severe job losses during the same period. The population of urban counties has risen at more than twice the rate of rural counties. And you can really see that happening in Alachua County. Within 10 years, it'll be one city from Jonesville to Newbury. What has happened, of course, is the rural interests have less and less voice in politics, particularly in national politics. One of the very funny things that we laugh at, are we going to run a tractor on a battery? The difference now already between a tractor, diesel tractor that you get recently and the old-time diesel tractors, if you never shut those old-time diesel tractors off. I've got one. They were designed to run all day. The new ones are loaded up with so much in pollution material, you got to shut them off. They won't run like that. Don't buy a new diesel tractor. Look for an older or used one. A battery-driven semi-truck. Are you serious? Common sense would tell you. You've got to be kidding me. Even a battery-driven pick-em-up truck, unless it's one of these kinds the urban guys like to run around in and pretend it's a manly truck. The trouble with those pickup trucks, the bed's not big enough to haul roll of hay. It's getting worse, as we say. It's huge hoax. This whole thing about electric batteries. We've already been talking about it. It's going to increase pollution where the batteries were made and increase costs where we are and drive up our dependency on that which is produced where the pollution is increasing. Where do the presidents come from? Look at Biden. He comes from la-la land. The guy has never traveled beyond D.C. and Delaware for 25 years or more. Are you kidding me? Common sense would tell you that doesn't make any sense. Well, hopefully I've made my point. There seems to be, and correct me if I'm wrong, less and less 
common sense. And ironically, more and more people who think they know it all, even though they've never been on the bull ring. They know, by golly, if they give more free stuff at the jail, fewer people will want to go to the jail. Huh? Where did that come from? Well, have a great weekend. Look for the naked rain dance before too long. Something's got to happen. Something's got to give. Thanks to all our sponsors and our donors and production people. And thanks to you, of course, for trusting my voice to give you the straight issues unencumbered by, I don't know, a lack of common sense, maybe. Warthog Command Center out.